Welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Adult Bible Class podcast for Sunday, May 9th. This is Craig Benjamin, and I will be sharing some thoughts again this week, which is week 10 in our series called D6. It comes from Deuteronomy 6 and expresses the idea that we are to have the words of God on our hearts and that we are to teach them diligently to our children. Last week, I called the lesson The Transition to Mission, which looked at Acts 2 and some background to it. We specifically looked at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was promised by God, and the apostles heard from Jesus, which he said was baptism with the Holy Spirit. It was the occasion when Jesus had ascended to the right hand of God and had been enthroned as king, received from the Father that promise of the Holy Spirit, which he then poured out upon all mankind, effectively immersing the world in the Spirit of God. Then once the Spirit had arrived, he did many things. That very day he gave utterance to the apostles, and they spoke in the very languages and dialects of the many peoples who had gathered in Jerusalem. Peter preached that first gospel sermon, and we looked at it, at the points that Peter raised when proclaiming the gospel. And we saw the impact of this gospel upon the people. The three key truths were these. The Holy Spirit empowers the church, the church proclaims the gospel, and the church lives out the gospel. Now, assuming that it is all true, and it is, there must of necessity be more things that happened as a result. Our text today is Acts chapter 9, especially the first 31 verses. Now, a bit like last week, I will begin by looking at some passages outside of our text to help us set the stage and then spend some time in the text itself. As we look at these passages and the characters involved in this part of the story, we'll see that the truths from last week continue. God empowers the church to both proclaim the gospel and live it out. Today's title is Life-Changing Power, and I'd like to focus on two additional key truths. The gospel can change the direction of our lives, and the gospel can change our reputation and relationships. <clears throat> when you think about it, these would be natural consequences of the church proclaiming the gospel and living it out. As it is believed and lived, it will change things. It will change the very paths that we walk, our reputations, and our relationships. The main character in the lesson today is the man Saul, who is converted and later is known as the Apostle Paul. But as we consider the key truths, there are some other characters who are important in the story, and we want to see a bit about them and their interaction with Saul and the gospel. <clears throat> so let's look at Acts chapter 6, where we see the record of the men who are often understood to be the first deacons appointed in the church. There were seven of them, men which chapter 6 and verse 3 says were to be selected from among the brethren, seven men of good reputation and full of the spirit of wisdom. Simply note that these men who were full of the spirit and were of good reputation manifested the key truths. The spirit of God is at work in the lives of his people, and when he is, it leads to good reputations. We live out the gospel and people notice. Jesus even said in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world and that we are to let our good works shine before men in such a way that they will see them and glorify our Father who is in heaven. It seems to me that these men did that. Once they were selected, 
they were to be charged with the task of making sure the Christian widows, who were Hellenistic Jews, were not overlooked in the serving of the daily food. For those of you who have worked closely with others, especially with other Christians in the ministry of Christ, men and women of good reputation and who are full of the Spirit, you know that close relationships are developed. You trust one another. You care for one another. And in the Spirit of Christ, you would be willing to lay down your lives for one another. That's the kind of relationship that these seven deacons had. They were close and they had great love for one another. Two of them were Stephen and Philip. We'll consider Philip a bit later. But verse 8 says that Stephen was full of grace and power and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. It got the attention of some of the religious leaders. These men stirred up the people and brought Stephen before the council. They put forth false witnesses, and in chapter 7, he is on trial and clearly tells the truth and history of Israel and how those trying him were resisting the Spirit of God and had become the betrayers and murderers of the righteous one, who we know to be Jesus. So, due to the trumped-up charges, they stoned Stephen. That's the way things work. Jesus said, Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Stephen even testified that the Jewish leaders who were trying him were just like their fathers, who had persecuted the prophets who had spoken of Jesus. But here's part of the relationship to the lesson today. There was a man there named Saul. Chapter 7, verse 58 says that the witnesses against Stephen laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Then in chapter 8 and verse 1, it says that Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. When we get to chapter 9, we find in verses 1 and 2 that Saul is still breathing threats and murder against the disciples and that he got letters giving him authority to bind the Christians and bring them to Jerusalem. He was fully against the gospel, against Christians, against Jesus himself. Christians were afraid of him. They feared for their very lives. And so we get to chapter 9 and verse 3, and we find that when Saul was on his way to Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It really got Saul's attention, and he asked, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But Jesus goes on to say, Rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Do understand, it isn't a miraculous encounter with Jesus that provides Saul with what he needs to know. Jesus says that he'll be told. Recognize that we, as Christians, have a role in communicating what people need to know. If God didn't plan on having men and women involved in that process, he could just zap individuals directly with information and understanding. But he chooses for Saul to hear the word from someone else. In verse 10, we meet a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, yes, Lord. There's a response that we see periodically in the Bible and would do well to adopt. Yes, Lord. God has a lot to say to us, 
Even this very day, he's speaking to us through his word. And it will be good for us to say, yes, Lord. Now in verse 11, the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Think about it. This man, Saul, has been persecuting Christians. He was arresting them and taking many to their deaths. And now he shows up at a guy's house in Damascus named Judas, and Judas lets him in. I'm not sure that everyone would do that, that everyone would have the faith to open their home to a murderer of Christians who has not yet exactly shown himself to everyone that he had a new perspective. In our world, it would be possible for someone wanting to infiltrate the enemy camp to pretend to be one of them. Wouldn't that have been possible then? The point I want to make is that Judas has already been changed by the gospel of Jesus and is willing to risk his life, family, and home by letting Saul in. What are we willing to do for Jesus? But in verse 12, the Lord goes on to say to Ananias that Saul has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. In other words, Ananias hears that he is to go to Saul and lay hands on him to heal him. What would your initial response be? Maybe you haven't faced such a challenging moment, but here is Ananias' response, verse 13. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests uh, to bind all who call upon thy name. Ananias was just a bit tentative about it. Maybe he wasn't sure whether he should go to this Saul. It might be like turning himself in to be arrested and tried. But the Lord said to him in verse 15, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And here's the Spirit of God at work and the church living out and proclaiming the gospel. Ananias goes to Saul. And I ask, would you go? And when you know what God wants you to do, where he wants you to go, something to fulfill his will and purpose, will you go at the risk of your life? Yeah, he went to Saul, laid hands on him to heal him, and baptized him. Saul ate some food and was strengthened, spent several days with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately began to proclaim the gospel. The gospel preached to Saul that he then began to immediately proclaim is the same gospel we looked at last week, the same gospel that Peter preached on Pentecost. It was the proclamation of the life, death, resurrection, exaltation, and lordship of Jesus and the response of repentance and baptism to receive the forgiveness of sins and the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. Saul's life was completely redirected as a result of obeying the gospel and responding to the Holy Spirit and the direction that God had for him in this life. Verse 21 shows how different things had become. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who, is in, who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name 
and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Verse 22 says that Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. They were amazed because things were so different. Of course, the natural process of persecution and evil wanting to lash out at good was then manifested. In verse 23, the Jews plotted to do away with Saul. But Saul hears about it and the disciples took him away. And you know, they didn't have the internet or some technology that could appropriately distribute the news completely. So when Saul got to Jerusalem, the disciples there didn't believe that he was truly one of them. But Barnabas does and takes him to the apostles and they get on board with Saul's conversion and he moves about freely and spoke out boldly. But here comes that natural consequence again. The Hellenistic Jews were attempting to put him to death. So he moved on to Caesarea and Tarsus. But I want to bring us back to the key truths from last week and this week. The Holy Spirit empowers the church. The church proclaims the gospel. The church lives out the gospel. The gospel can change the direction of our lives and the gospel can change our reputation and relationships. The last ones, the living out of the gospel, the change of direction, and the change of reputation and relationships will not happen without the first ones, the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of the gospel. It's pretty easy for us to see the change in direction in Saul's life, which happened immediately and was certainly influenced by the Holy Spirit and the proclamation as well as the change in his reputation, which took some time, but it did change. But let's consider some of the others in the story today. We talked briefly about Judas, who let Saul come into his house, which probably felt a bit risky to him, and Ananias, who personally went to Saul, even though he was aware of Saul's authority to bind him and take him to Jerusalem. Both of these men responded due to Jesus getting a hold of them due to the gospel having an impact, a very practical impact in their lives. They simply did what was needed, even though it was a threat to them. But what about Barnabas, who in chapter 9 and verse 27 took a hold of Saul and brought him to the apostles? And the apostles themselves, weren't all of these influenced by the gospel message with changed direction in their lives and changed reputations and relationships? But I want to look more closely at the two men I started with in chapter 6, Stephen and Philip, two of the seven deacons selected to serve food. We've already declared that they were full of the Spirit, which is consistent with the first key truth, and that they were of good reputation, which is consistent with the fifth truth. But what of their whole lives? These men, after coming to Christ, went down completely completely new paths. In addition to the Spirit being active in their lives and their good reputation being spread among the others, they both became proclaimers of the truth. In Acts 6.10, Stephen was speaking wisdom. In chapter 7, he gives a classic articulation of the work of God and in the Old Testament, how it pointed to the good news and person of Jesus, who he calls the righteous one. But before we're done, 
It's Philip that I want to consider. It's Philip who is changed by the gospel as he lives it out in his life. It is Philip who allows the hand of God to have its impact in the life of another such that he, Philip, lives out the truth of forgiveness and loving one another. It is a characteristic of Christ which we would all do well to not only see but to emulate. Here also is one of the seven deacons, a man of good reputation who is full of the spirit of wisdom. This is the same Philip in Acts 8 who went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them, who preached to Simon the magician and baptized him, who went down to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza and preached Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch and baptized him, who kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea, where it appears that he settled and became a located preacher instead of an itinerant one. And we don't see much more of Philip until we get to Acts 21. In verse 8 we read, And on the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. And entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Do you see it? Do you see the living out of the gospel of Jesus? Do you see how the gospel can change someone, put them on a different path, and change their reputation? Do you see how this living out of the gospel means forgiveness and loving one another? Do you see that the we who came to Caesarea included the Apostle Paul, and that he is the same man who years earlier was the man Saul who persecuted the Christians, and in chapter 8 was in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death. The Stephen who was one of Philip's best friends. These two being deacons together in the same ministry. One proclaiming the gospel and being martyred for it. The other being used by God for years. Who now hosts a man partially responsible for the murder of his friend. And yet he does. He hosts Paul for days. And I can only imagine this, that their mutual love for God, their mutual understanding of the promise of eternity with God, and their personal transformation into the image of Christ had them hugging on each other and rejoicing in the work that God was accomplishing through them and through what Stephen had done. These men were filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaimed the gospel, lived out the gospel, had God-led direction in their lives, and now had both good reputations and strong personal relationships with one another and the rest of the body of Christ. May we be a people who are changed by the gospel of Jesus and who emulate the kind of forgiveness and love that all the characters of today's lesson manifested. Praise God for the gospel of Jesus, his spirit who lives in us, and the changed lives he gives us. May you be blessed in your walk with him down the path he provides as we live for God, love each other, and light the world. Amen.